Welcome back to Coach and Kern, and I'm Dave D'Agostino, your co-host. I'm joined by my trio of co-host, my trio of co here, America's most beloved sports writer, Hall of Famer Kevin Kernan, our favorite scout, Colorado Rocky Will George, and our performance expert Sal Marinello. Guys, welcome back to the show. It's episode sixty-four of our, and it's our panel of resident experts today. Good morning, guys. Good morning, hey everybody. And uh, we always toss the ball out there to Kevin to start the show. He's he's coming off fresh off his reunion. Where we had the MC for for two plus hours there, rather than relax and mingle, but I'm sure it was entertaining. Um, Kevin, what's been on your mind this week as as you're watching baseball out there? Well, it's been quite the week for baseball, obviously, fellas. Um, uh, first of all, I want to shout out what a great job the reunion committee did at the uh, David Burley Regional High School, class of '71, Kenworth, New Jersey, also Garwood. We were a, a community that. Uh, Two, two, two towns, so it was nice because we all, you know, the towns um, from college, people met each other, they got married, so it's been a, a, a long-lasting relationship between the two towns. Um, great to see everybody and how well everybody did and just, uh, and we had all kinds, you know, that you come out of class of 71, you got your... Uh, you got your hippies, you got your businessmen, you got everything. So it was great to be with everyone. And uh, I got to say, I want to make this statement. Um, um, uh, we, we really enjoyed ourselves through high school and had a good time. And we're, we're pretty, pretty, you know, we listened and everything else, but we also had fun. I also happened to go to my college, Ramapo College this week, walked around the school. And it's another world, man. It's another world. Kids all masked up, professors masked up in, in class, kids sitting around, joyless. That's the, that's the biggest thing I saw, a joyless experience. Totally different than my college experience. Even the classes were, uh, were fun. So as a country, I think we got a lot in front of us uh, with this college generation, uh, kind of like uh, learning how, uh, how to live. But I don't want to get too far into that, but I don't care if we do, to be quite honest, because... If we if we don't call things out now, it's only going to get worse. And um, baseball wise, they, everything they touch, they mess up. And um, it's been an interesting week. Uh, Phillies done great. The, the Padres done great. The Mets collapse. I, and my big question to you guys, I'll get right to you guys. I'm wondering with the way the the stupid new wild card went. And again, you. We're, Getting back to the college and everything else, everybody gets a cupcake. So we got more teams in the playoffs. We have more delay for the teams that win their divisions. Winning your divisions doesn't mean anything basically anymore. Uh, the regular season's a joke. Um, and this is what they created. Good job, Manfred. And and is it even worth it to, you know, are you better off setting up your – and this deals with – and Sal can jump in on this long ways too because um, – are we better off as a team now? You got to consider: Is it better to get my starting pitcher tons of rest before the playoffs, so they're really ready to go, or or to chase the uh, chase the division like the Mets did, get blown out? The Braves uh, lose too because they kind of left it all at that Mets series. I think this is going to change the way teams approach the regular season, and it's only going to make things worse. So I'll, I'll let you go. before we get into specific teams. We'll weigh in on that stuff. So go ahead. You've I been- was just going to – I'll come back to my comment. I want to mention something about Kevin's high school that's extremely noteworthy. Plus, I want to apologize. I was screaming 
at a um, at a game on Sunday, so my voice is a little shot. Um, what what baseball has done, like Kevin said, it's devalued the season, and it's also given us a crappier product. Uh, I'd like to compare it to March Madness, where the, tur- yeah. the, the tournament has pretty much rendered most of the regular season irrelevant for most teams, but I'll still watch those games because it's a great product. I'll watch Duke, North Carolina three times, four times a year. I'll watch the Big East games. I'll watch Gonzaga. I'll watch those teams as much as I can get and still have the great drama and quality in the tournament, whereas baseball now has given you an inferior product for 162 games, and then supposedly the best teams from that 162 games are not even in it. So it's a joke, and I'm sure um, teams are going to change how they approach the regular season. But that's up. You know, now I'll leave the rest up to you guys. Well, go ahead. Yeah, I'll, uh, firsthand, 2007, uh, our Rockies team finished the season out and we won 21 out of 22 games. And then we sat for eight days waiting for the Red Sox to play in the World Series. I'll tell you what, sitting when you're playing good baseball doesn't make you better, doesn't prepare you for the playoffs. Um, The wild card needs to go back to one game so everybody stays fresh and keeps playing. Um, and, 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 And I think good teams... The Braves and the Dodgers sat around for a week while the Phillies got hotter and hotter and hotter and San Diego got hotter and hotter and hotter. And now the the two best teams in the National League are sitting home. Um, uh, You know, the American League played out a little bit differently. um, But, you know, the Yankees were on death's doorstep. um, And Houston looks like they are the one team that we had mentioned last week that probably, uh, in my opinion, were one of the teams that were a lock to get to the World Series. Um, and they've managed to to play their way through and get there. So um, I do think that, uh, that that first three-game series and, you know, was kind of like uh, everybody getting a trophy. You know, you got in and you know what? We're not going to make it a do or die. We're going to make it so you might have a chance, but you got to play all the games on the road. No, you know what? Do or die. Keep going. Winner goes winner goes on, loser goes home. Then you go into your, your quarterfinals and the other teams only had to sit two or three days. And, you know, when you sit around and not, not compete – you lose your edge, too. Whereas, you know, the Phillies won that first game in St. Louis, which was after that game was over, I go, wow, that's the kind of game that can take a team all the way to a World Series. Well, the, the Astros, they may have it figured out in a way. I mean, and I'm going to give credit to Justin Orenduff, our guest on our – he's been the two-time guest on our show now. Um, 2015 to 2022, the Astros have the third most wins. They have the fourth fourth lowest total days lost to injured pitchers, the second least number of pitchers used per season. So they're not uh, manufacturing, you know, not just keep throwing pitchers out there after pitcher. And in you know today's world of analytics here, they've got the second in total playoff appearances, probably second to the Dodgers, who've won their division nine in the last ten years. But um, we talk about the balance of analytics and old school baseball. There is no balance right now, 
and over 162 games, you can kind of play to the numbers to a certain degree. But when you're in this one-and-done playoff or three-game series, as we're seeing with the style of play, numbers numbers go out the window. And intuition plays a bigger, bigger pick. Uh, we're seeing how big a uh, factor intuition is and old-school style of baseball, hit and run, bunt steals. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, you know, and and Justin Justin's studies and and uh, things that he's done are so accurate. Um, but he and I had a conversation uh, right before the playoffs started. We were talking, and I always love talking to him. But because of his relationship with um, Justin Verlander, who's been there in Houston uh, to help them win rings and go to where they've gone. Verlander has talked about how well that they do blend that and how important the year that they won the World Series that guys like Verlander and McCann and Beltran, who were veteran baseball guys, and A.J. AJ Hinch, who was a baseball guy, they took the data, and Brett Strom, who was their pitching coach, they took the data and they fed it to their guys to go play baseball. Um, they didn't rely solely on data. Um, they did things, you know, if, if, if you think back to when the, the year they won the World Series and they beat the Dodgers, you know, Charlie Morton came out of the game or, or came into the game and he finished that game that they when they won the World Series, you know, and, and you know, the because. They didn't go, well, you know, he can't go two times through the lineup. He can't go three times through the lineup. Let's bring in this guy because the script says to bring him in. Charlie Morton was throwing so well, they just said, go finish the game. They're not going to hit you. And well, they, they let their eyes see what's going on. And uh, yeah. the problem now is, and we've addressed this, but the guy, the, the nerds don't know what's going on. They, they have their numbers. Like I say, feed the numbers to baseball people. Let them make decisions. But keep these guys in the back room. Don't let them make baseball decisions. Then then all of a sudden you get lineup change. The Yankees are a perfect example. I don't care what you say. Some of the decisions made by Aaron Bruner, I, I don't know if he, he, he doesn't make the decision clearly in my mind. I mean, how in the world could a baseball guy make the decisions that he makes sometimes? And, um, and he doesn't have the guts, obviously, to stand up to him. But the bigger picture that I'm seeing is, and I say it time and again, base, the problem with baseball is people in charge of baseball have no clue about baseball. We talked about this going in. We knew there would be some different issues because of the silly three-game wild card. And that's a great point about everybody getting the trophy because, you know what, if you, if you want to avoid the one-game wild card, win the division. Make the division important. The division is not important. There used to be a pennant. There used to be American League, National League. Then they became divisions. They keep watering everything down, you know, and and, and this is where we are. If, if, if I'm the Yankees, uh, the, the Mets now, the Mets, the, the Mets to me deserve what they got simply because they didn't make it. They didn't make any big moves at the at the uh, trade deadline. Billy Epler sat sat on his laurels. Um, you can see there was a problem with catching. I said it right from. I said on the show uh, they should have got Wilson Contreras way back when. The catching was a joke. The catching destroyed them. Uh, so people in charge of baseball teams, a lot of people don't know baseball, and certainly the people in charge of baseball, uh, Morgan Sword, um, uh, anybody in Manfred's minions, um, 
not to see this coming that the, the, the that the three game wild card would be a huge advantage for the wild card team. So so we've actually rewarded mediocrity to a degree, and it's and it's been bad for the for for the teams that win the division. So it, it's typical baseball. And again, the Yankee thing last night because we thought we'd be talking Yankees today or Yankees or Indians a lot. Because, but again, another dopey decision. They sit in the rain for three, or it doesn't rain, it's not raining, it's raining. And then all of a sudden there's no game. So so uh, they don't know what they're doing at any level of the game. They treat their fans like garbage, and, and this is what we got. You know, analytics can't quantify momentum, can't quantify confidence that, that – that, Cleveland built by uh, winning that series that the Phillies built by winning that series and San Diego built that, that, that it's not quantifiable to them. They don't understand it. But when those 25 or 26 guys in the clubhouse look at each other and they believe that they can win, they can win, you know, and, and we saw it, we saw that the Phillies uh, really, you know, embarrassed the Braves in my opinion and San, Diego, and, and San Diego embarrassed the Dodgers. And that's because they kept playing and they kept building confidence and all the unquantifiable things that baseball people talk about that none of them understand, um, you know, are, 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 are not important to any of them. I, I want to jump in one time and then I'll let you other guys speak, but you said something that made me think of something. Look at all the rallies that the teams had. You know, when the Indians beat the Yankees, uh, you know, fought, what was it? They scored three runs in the ninth inning, all the singles and things like that. The, the Padres rally where they got five runs in the seventh, I believe it was. They're baseball rallies. Those things, that moment, that's part of the momentum you're talking about. And one quick point on this, the Indians built up tremendous, tremendous momentum. And then I think Josh Naylor lost it all when he did that silly rock the baby i'm your daddy my daddy i'm your son garbage whatever the hell he was doing you know garrett cole was so disgusted by that he couldn't even talk about it basically and and cole is a guy who usually is uh, kind of politically correct and doesn't want to do anything but if that didn't fire up the yankees to beat the indians so the indians built up all this momentum you have a dope running around the bases like he just won the world series when they're still losing and then, they, in my mind, they've lost the momentum. We'll see what happens uh, in, in game five. Maybe they'll gain it back. But nobody understands baseball. And how long are we supposed to keep, keep watching this game if they don't know anything about the game? Uh, I just wanted to uh, – one thing, you know, you've seen in, in the NFL, the better team with the week off playing the, the team that was fighting, A, to get into the playoffs during the regular uh, – the rundown uh, to the regular season at the end – and then had to win a playoff game already. I'm not sure what the percentage is there, but that underdog quote wins a lot more of those games than you would think. Uh, I remember one year that sticks out in mind particularly was with Peyton Manning and the Colts where they were toying with everybody, and they went into the uh, end of the regular season clinching, and then they pulled the starters in a game with the Jets. The Jets won – and then yep. the Colts lost at a, a week off, and then they lost in the first round. That's one thing. Kevin and Will, what do you make of the whole idea, at least the story I saw, saw was that Kiner Falefa was told he wasn't starting by a text and then talked to Boone when he got to the clubhouse. 
Is that to me that sounds like a horrendous way to communicate with your players? And is that indicative, Kevin, of what you said about him not really making the decisions, or will? Yeah, I. Uh, I'll that's... Real quick, because I want Will to handle this from a baseball perspective, but I, I, I hadn't heard that to be quite honest. If that's true, that's ridiculous. And it, when Aaron Judge leaves the Yankees, that you can point to that as one example. Because uh, what what ball player would want to play in that environment? And uh, and Dave's a coach too, so he can handle from his perspective. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, for for me, that's no way to handle that. That guy. Um, all year long was made a scapegoat for things that didn't go right. Um, if the guys who were making millions of dollars were having productive years, then he had a very solid year. But all of a sudden, he became a scapegoat. And, you know, somebody even, you know, wrote an article in the Post, uh, you know, that, that finally they took him out. Well, you know, you, you know what? When, when, when you're made the scapegoat, and, you know, they knew what they acquired. They acquired a guy who was going to be a steady defender at shortstop because Torres had not become a steady defender at shortstop. And early in the year, he was very steady, and he was hitting 255. You know what? If, if, if you're relying on him to carry you to the playoffs when you have Judge, Rizzo, Stanton, LeMahieu, Aaron Hicks that you're paying a ton of money to, Josh Donaldson – uh, then, th- then there's something wrong with that. You're acquiring a guy who's just a steady, good baseball player, but all of a sudden he becomes a scapegoat, uh, and 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 then you have the disrespect to send him a text to tell him he's not playing after he's been your everyday shortstop the whole year. Just not a good way to do things. That that's the big word I think will respect regardless yeah. of the level. I mean that's a, that's a, that's a man talking to another man, and you're dealing with his livelihood. He puts his heart and soul into it every day. We all know. I mean, kind of Falafa is like you said, he's solid. He was a catcher coming in, and he's 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 in my opinion a utility guy. He'd, he'd be a great Swiss that's, Army. That, that that that's exactly you know he's a David Eckstein type guy, who who moved to shortstop last year for Texas after playing around the field, and he did a good job. Yeah, he did a good enough job that Minnesota uh, used assets to acquire him, and then flipped him, and and the Yankees used used assets to acquire him. So he is who he is. Here's, here's um, the problem that the Yankees, and this we've talked about that we had that Thomas Sowell or Sewell quote, quote going around our text stream where decisions are being made by people who aren't accountable for him. Now, my question is. Um, and, and anybody can grab this. Cabrera's, I like Cabrera's game. He's been playing great for the Yankees. Love now he comes in as a rookie playing shortstop. If they win this game and they move on, in my opinion, they've got to ride it out with Cabrera. They basically ruined kind of philosophy yeah. for the well, well, well. term, but they've tainted it, not just pulling them now, but pulling them now without proper communication, coach to player, yeah. to adult, yeah. and say, hey, maybe it was just one game. Hey, we want to get, we want to give you just a, just give you a day off. No, give- not a, you know, not a, well, maybe in their world, in an elimination game, my everyday shortstop, hey, I'm going to give you a day off in the playoffs. No, you know, he, he's lost confidence-wise. He yeah. had already lost confidence, you know, and I guess, you know, he made some errors and he made some throwing errors later in the season. I didn't see it when I saw them later in the year, but I guess maybe he did because – Somebody wrote it in the paper, and finally they made a move. Well, 
And I love Cabrera, and 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 I I'm not sure if he's an everyday shortstop, but he's going to do a fine job. But now you're putting that pressure onto a rookie, yeah. um, and and you have the guy who you acquired in that Donaldson deal um, to be your everyday shortstop who you've kind of really mistreated. Now look and, at Cabrera. Oh, God, well, I'm sorry. I cut uh, you, off. you know, basically you've lost him forever. Now, look, now there's potential. Think about Cabrera's situation. Falapa has gone the whole year running their defense, their rotations, their shifts. Um, there's a lot of different nuances playing shortstop and the traditional shortstop position, because now you're repositioned based on who's up, all these crazy shifts. Cabrera has to internalize that and now put it to practice in one of the, the actually the biggest game the Yankees have had all year, um, uh, but, setting him up for failure now too. But Dave, that was in the world you and I played in, where the shortstop did that stuff. Now there's a little card that they look at and okay. that does it for them. So, yeah. and also the uh, Cabrera, getting back to uh, kind of Flepper, the they had him out of position half the time. I mean, that, that rally in the ninth inning by the Indians, you know, a couple of those balls should have been caught if he was playing shortstop, but they had him playing, they had him playing uh, what I call bizarro world shortstop. Yeah. And he's good at this, uh, de- destroying a player's confidence in certain situations. We've seen it time and again uh, for many years. That's why I think certain players, unless you come up through the organization, certain players are going to say, you know, I, I don't need this. I'm not going to come back. But I also don't want to let the Mets off the hook because we had to hear all year how great they were, what a great job Billy Epler did. And I was warning you guys that they're not as good as we think they are, you know, and Buck's this, Buck's that. Buck did a good job for the most part. But the bottom line is the Phillies, they got much better under Dave Dombrowski and Rob Thompson, two baseball men. The Mets became more nerdy as the season went on and it cost them down the road. So the Mets, I think the Mets have huge issues going forward um, uh, in that division. And it's, it's so ironic, like the 87 team win is going to, is, is in the NLC. So it's just a, it's really funny how baseball, baseball, uh, when it comes down to baseball, baseball takes care of itself and these people get weeded out that don't know what they're doing. So go ahead. Uh, I was just going to ask. I know the Mets do have some holes, but how much? And I'll again. This is for this is a question. I don't. I'm not blaming it on this. But how much does the Marte injury play into how they finished? Yeah, it played into it to some degree, but you always have right. injuries. I get that. You know? Yeah, and uh, and they he he was a big part of their of their team, and and it hurts to have that. But that's my whole point of why you strengthen catcher offensively. Why you do some other things so you're not so relying. So if one guy goes down, your offense collapses. That shouldn't and they happen. Did, I, I, and they did make kind of lousy moves at the trade deadline and yeah. down the stretch. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that uh, there were better options out there than uh, than Vogelbach and Ruff. Um, well, all you got, you know. and again, I understand how much you had to give up and all that stuff, but that's going for it. All you got to under, I'll bring it down so you, I, everybody understands it. The Padres got Juan Soto at the trade deadline. The Mets got Darren Ruff. There you go. Well, you know, Kevin, I I, I will say uh, I was shocked how much they gave up for Darren Ruff. Um, I covered their system, and they gave up some guys that that have a chance to be big leaguers, and they gave up 
I believe, three in the deal for Darren Ruff. Well, yeah. They, well, that's what happens when new, new, new guys come in. They don't really know the organization. Right, right. And, and, and like you that have been studying the organization, and Milwaukee obviously has your counterpart. And, uh, well, and I, I've said for years, and I learned this from – I learned this from Dombrowski and Gary Hughes, who were, who were, God rest Gary Hughes' soul, was one of the best scouting directors ever. And Dombrowski's been a tremendous general manager, the most important guys to get right are your own. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. there's, there's players you can put in deals that can get a deal done that are not going to come back to burn you. Um, you know, but, you know, I, like I said, I was shocked. A friend of mine works for the Giants who used to work work for the Mets, and I said, boy, oh, boy, you guys you guys raped them on this deal. Yeah. The, uh, How much more would they have had to give up to get a guy like Contreras? Because that, that was the coveted – that was the guy they needed, like Kevin said. They needed that catcher. How much more would they have You know, they probably would have had a had to included – you know, they probably wouldn't have given up Alvarez, but quite honestly, Alvarez, I think, is more of a bat than he is a catcher. So if I'm the Mets, I'm going to maybe go get Contreras and try to extend him and, you know, painfully give up Alvarez, who's going to hit, but we don't know how good of a catcher he's going to be. Um, so uh, I think that what they made – they probably made Beatty, who I love, and um, Mauricio, who I like, and Alvarez, who I really like his bat a lot. They probably made them off limits, which limited what they could get offensively. But there were some other guys out there that I, you know, uh, San Diego got uh, the kid that the Mets actually had, uh, the right-handed hitter who had a good year in Cincinnati. Um, uh, Drury. Drury. Yeah, Brandon Drury. You know, they could have revisited that because last year he hit for them in AAA and he came up to the big leagues and hit a little bit. So, I mean, you know, they not only got Sosa, they got Drury. Well, that's why it's very dangerous if you're a Mets fan or even a Yankee. It's very dangerous to fall in love with these prospects like the media falls in love with them. And the media is the big part of the problem here because they've overvalued these prospects where these fans think that these guys are just going to step in. I go back, and that's why I'm, I'm, I do have a point here. I'm bringing this back to Dombrowski. Dombrowski's got a chance to win. He goes for it. You know what I mean? He, his, now, his moves, you would say, weren't, you know, they weren't earth-shattering, but he brought in Syndergaard and Marsh from the Angels and both played huge roles. And, and, and David Robertson. And I David Robertson. Yeah. Back, I mean, and, of course – to play a huge role, you have to have a team being idiotic, and the Braves certainly filled the idi- idiotic role by throwing that breaking ball to Marsh. I mean, right, he couldn't catch well, up to the fastball. You, you, and it's back to our original premise: you got to have guys in charge who know what they're looking at to fix things. And if not, if you go by that whole year thing of the the numbers or whatever you're looking at. Anybody watching that at bat, that first, that early second inning at bat, I believe it was, could see that Marsh wasn't close to the fastball. Right. And they put a cookie breaking ball in the middle of the plate, yeah. three run homer, see you Braves. And then, we haven't gotten to it, but we can address this one too. To me, the dog of the playoffs is, is Acuna. 
Acuna not chasing the ball that hits in left center because he's being lazy, watching it. It's a, it's over there. It's not my position. And then the ball rolls all the way back to right field, and he's standing there uh, looking like a dope. That's a, I think that set a tone right then and there for the Braves as a team. Like, forget it. If our supposedly best player isn't going after it, uh, we got no shot. You know, Kevin, just to circle back with the prospect thing, and I think, and I don't agree with everything Harold Reynolds said, but he is a good analyst on TV, and he's been saying this for the last probably 10 years on MLB Network. You know, prospects are prospects. Guys that can help you win in the big leagues help you win in the big leagues, and if you have a chance, you got to, you know, you, you know, you got to have a little bit of pain to go get a guy who's going to, take you where you, you got, you're trying to get to, which should be to win a World Series. And I think the reason that it happens is that they're all playing fantasy baseball. They're playing in a keeper league yep. Where, yep. where, you know, they're, you know, oh, I, I got Francisco Alvarez, you know, he's only in double A, but he's going to be on my roster for the next five years in fantasy baseball. But what's he going to end up being? None of it's guaranteed. And when you have a chance to win, go try to win. Well, I can take you back you to the owe that to your, you, owe that to, you know, you owe that to your fans who are paying the money they're paying to of support course. you. You know, those Philadelphia fans, David Dombrowski and 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 uh, and their manager uh, are going to be beloved forever if this team goes to the World Series. Yeah, you know? and the Giants recognized that way back when, when they went three and five years. <laughs> Marco Scudero, yeah, for him, and and again, this is where the nerds ruin baseball every step of the way. And you hit on a good point because basically, the nerds want this prospect, and they live in the prospect world that that this guy's better than that guy, but that guy may give you a playoff and a World Series championship, and that's all that matters. So, well, you, there we'll go. you know, Kevin, here, here, I'll I'll give you some insight. Um, when you when you run to your owner and your team stinks, but you got fourteen guys on the Baseball America top one hundred or two hundred list, yep. Then the owner goes, "Wow, we're doing a great job, but boy, we're losing a hundred games in the big leagues. Nobody comes to the games, and it used to be about winning in the big leagues, not." Uh, you know, not just having money in my account, but, you know, using the money for good. Is And that's the responsibility, as you guys are saying, it's a lot of people, but the press is one. Um, the managers, I'm disappointed in, in the, the guys in the dugout not pushing it, but all this stuff out there about prospects, to go back to Kevin in the beginning of the show, uh, we're talking about life a little bit. It To me, it's just like that type of propaganda. It's It's used to misinform, it's used to push an agenda, and it really, and at the end, it exhausts our ability to critically think, which is what we want in our baseball players and our managers, and it, it annihilates the truth. And if you liken it to a game of chess, I mean, all these guys are pawns. If pawns refuse to play a game of chess, you can't play a game of chess. They just stand firm and they stand strong. And I'm look, I can't wait till the day we get back to the, the skippers, like we talk about Boone, when he's told to be a pawn and text somebody, no, I'm going to talk to him like a man. Nobody talks to the yeah. press. Or when these prospects come out and say top 100, you know, the only guys that matter are, are the guys that have produced in the major leagues right now. The prospects are, you know, potential and potential. That's to what they are. As a, that's, as a coach, former coach, 
that was a four letter word. Anytime somebody told me potential about a recruit, I walked away because that was that was the words that would get me fired. Banking on potential. It's it, you know none of it's a lock, and and it's you know I, I I've been doing this a long time, and I and I cover whole organizations from top to bottom, and I see teams lose a hundred games in the big leagues. I see their minor league teams not play well. I see them have a couple can't miss prospects and a couple ones that I have a lot of questions on and the owner and the GM come out and they tell the fans how good things are going. That's a lie. And nobody in the room should, uh, should be able to, you know, they should do their homework like Kevin did when he was a writer and he would call me and say, Hey, how good is this guy? They keep telling me about, well, he's not as good as they're saying. Well, perfect example. And I'm going to go to Sal in one second, but perfect example when, when the Yankees traded for Clint Frazier, I, I called – I don't think I called you, but I called somebody else who put me in touch with a scout who I didn't know, but they said he was a good guy, knew what he was talking about, and he had, had done coverage on Clint Frazier. He gave me the perfect – he told me exactly what Clint, Clint Frazier was going to be, exactly who he turned out to be. And I wrote it at the time while other writers were just kissing up on the Clint Frazier trade. You know, and of course, they get the information from the GMs because they kiss their butt. And that's what happens to me. I just tell the truth. So, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm on literally on the outside looking in, but I'm getting the honest truth from other teams. And speaking about honesty, how in the world, uh, and I'll, I'll address this to Sal, how in the world can the Mets trade for Vogelback? And if you see that body, if you were working for the Mets, then wouldn't you say something like, well, you know, over the course of the, uh, you know, by the time we get to October, this guy's going to be gassed. I mean, where does physical fitness come into the equation? So, uh, well, the Vogelback thing, we've, we've beaten that dead horse, beaten that fat dead horse. Already. Yeah, but I want to beat it again, well, Sal, because you're it's right, very Kevin, you're you're right. But you know what, Kevin, when your roster, I, I, what I will say is the Mets don't look as bad as some other teams, but when you look at these rosters, and they're filled with guys with soft faces and round faces and bellies. It's not as uh, unusual, I guess. And and I guess it's just that slippery slope. How you could convince yourself that guy is a worthy professional athlete, you know, because he hits two twenty. I guess if he hits his weight though, he'd be a real a, a real damage a guy. But he doesn't. He can't hit his weight. Um, <clears throat> but what I was going to go back to what you guys were saying about prospects. You know, we have, I had a phrase with my guys at different levels, different sports. You know, everyone looks great in shorts and T-shirts at a certain point. And, you know, whether it's working on how to dunk a basketball and, and the only obstacle is a cone versus a player, how to uh, run a route versus um, air versus a defensive back, how to hit a baseball when there's no pressure of situational realities, all those things have been ignored too much. And, you know, we're not looking at game film. We're looking at combines results, which is way off base. Wow, those are great points, Sal. Um, Kevin, uh, uh, it was me that told you about Frazier. So. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, well, and, and ironically, the year he got traded, I saw him play earlier in the year, and I said – I called friends of mine from Cleveland and I said that somebody needs to talk to him because he does have talent and tools. Oh, he's got wonderful talent. I'm not he's taking a, but, but, but he's a child of entitlement who does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. 
And uh, ironically, they, you know, they traded him that year. And, you know, the Yankees told us all that he was going to hit 700 home runs and he wanted to have Mickey Mantle's number. <laughs> Legendary bat speed was by Yeah, that. you know, and uh, yeah. So all he, the other writers ate it up. Well, give me yeah. more, Brian, give me more. You know, he generated bat speed with a tremendous amount of length and a very bad approach and was not a real tough kid because he was entitled his whole life. Well, you know, when it really hit home for me, and again, I, I liked the kid. I visited him in Atlanta, nice kid, but he just didn't have that X factor of, I'm coming here to beat you. And I could tell that from my conversations early on with him. But when he got called up finally, after all the lamenting of wanting to get called up, I happened to be with the team. I forget where we were. It might have been Houston. Um, but I remember he came into the clubhouse, and I'll never forget this. He comes into the clubhouse with a pillow. You know, he tra- again, I get, maybe he's got a neck problem. I get it from way back when. But, you know, put the pillow with the, tra- with the traveling, you know, Keep the pillow somewhere. Don't come into your locker, into a major league locker room with your own pillow. All the players noticed that, just like I noticed it right from the beginning. That's that was step one wrong. You know, one of the one, one of the other things um, with, uh, with with uh, with Frazier was that, um, and Deion Sanders just address that. And we all shared that yesterday, uh, the Gen Z entitlement entitlement generation. Um, he's part of that. And unfortunately, all these, all these young players are part of that. And, you know, Naylor plays hard and he brings energy, but for those kind of things to happen, they've always been allowed to happen without any repercussions. And I love seeing what Deion Sanders did with his kids in, in that YouTube video that we all saw and the one that we saw with the cell phones, he's trying to teach these kids about life. And you know what? Life's not fair. And this world's a tough place. And someday your athleticism's not going to carry you everywhere. Uh, your good looks aren't going to carry you everywhere. You better be smart and you better, you know, you better do the right things. And that's, that's unfortunately that we lament all the time how good these guys are physically strong and big and this and that, but nobody's teaching them about the whole thing that used to be taught. Well, I had that conversation with my son last night, my son Casey, and, and you know, he was a good ball player too, and he's a, he coaches a lot, and uh, he, he's very good in business as well, knows how to run a team. And he said the same thing. He said these players have unbelievable talent. And, and, and when you see when they go hard in the playoffs, you see what they're doing. And it is. I'm not knocking anybody's talent. What the, it's unbelievable. Every one of these major league players, are, they're really, really good. But they don't, they don't use it all the time. And then when they do use it, they get in their way. Like, I would love to know. I'd love to ask Tito Francona what he thought about Naylor's run around the bases at that point. Here you are coming back in the game. You got Garrett Cole questioning himself. He's probably on the ropes a little bit. Oh, my God, here comes another home run. Then all of a sudden, all that shifts because it's all about some clown running around the bases. What's the old saying? Let a sleeping dog lie. Absolutely. You know what? I, And I'm sure, you know, 
you'd have to get Tito off the record, but you know, I think we all know what his answer would be. <laughs> exactly. Not a single person addressed him, and I know they had the cameras on him, but I, they yeah. followed him into the dugout, high fives. He went went by Jose Ramirez. You know, Francona didn't make eye contact with him, just smacked him. Of course, he just hit a big home run, but um, not a single person addressed him there. And I don't know what was done privately, but in not to go back in time, but you know, it went all over Twitter. It was a very important game, so you don't want to lose a game over a fight. But at some point in time, that guy has to get the message that that's not acceptable, whether it's from his team and or the opposing team. And hey, shoot, I, I've been hit before as a, as a college player, as a professional player, where somebody before me did something ridiculous, you know, bunted, you know, when there was a no hitter going or, uh, you know, show, showed a guy up, uh, you know, took a guy out in a slide. I've been that next guy up and I bruises on my ribs to prove it. And you bet your butt when I got in that locker room, I was all over that guy for jerking around. You heard it from at least me because my body just took a beating because of what he did. You know, uh, and, I, he, and he turns a we moment into a me moment as a for team. Yeah. That's the problem. And, 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 and I don't think anybody on the coaching staff could do that. That's where veteran player leadership comes into place, where maybe someone like Yadier Molina, uh, uh, takes 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 him and grabs him and goes. No, we don't do that here. You know, we just don't do that here. That's that simple. You know, that's that's all that needs to happen. And unfortunately, the toothpaste is out of the tubes, and that behavior happens far too much. And there's not enough veteran leaders in clubhouses and 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 in the locker room that are going to take care of business for you to help. Uh, because, you know, you know, you, you can't let the manager and the coaching staff completely alienate themselves from a kid who basically does play hard and brings some good energy and does has done some good things for that team all year. That's where veteran leadership takes place in the game and go, hey, that doesn't happen. And maybe even in, in the old days where after the game, the guy goes over and apologizes after the game. You know? Yeah, and, he, uh, and again, uh, just to prove I'm not an old man yelling at clouds, if he hits a home run today and, and they win or gets a base hit and they win and they, they move on, then do all the celebrating you want. But no, yeah. not when you it's, – it's inconceivable to me when you're still losing, you're celebrating like you won the world championship. And I know a lot of these Yankees very well. And I know Cole well. I used to talk to him all the time when he was with Houston. And, again, he, he's a little different. He just needs a little bit of guidance sometimes to, point him in the right direction and um i'm sure and i saw it after the game when i saw his post-game interview he was fired up by what naylor did absolutely well kevin you were still covering the yankees in 2018 and i was advancing them in boston and uh when they won game one and they they blasted something on the boom box in the locker room that's uh, new york new, well new york new york yeah yeah, the and, and and the Boston people could hear it. They had big speakers, and it was going into their clubhouse, and that lit a fire under that Boston team. Who yeah, when you lit a fire in the postseason, it's different than the regular season. That's what I'm talking about. These yeah, guys, yeah, exactly. You know, I, guys, if, they, if they turn it up a notch in the postseason, no matter who you are, and we saw it with the Padres, the Padres yeah. lit a fire. They they were ready to roll, and they they played the dragon. You know, and 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 Boston. Boston could have went went bye bye in that series, but that lit a fire in them, and there was that sleeping dog that woke up 
And then they, they won the next three games and knocked New York out of it after, you know, Boston played horrible that first game, I remember. The, the responsibility of the announcers, too, and something like that, you know, kind of going back and forth with the Rock the Baby. I believe it was Ron Darling in the booth, if I'm not mistaken, you know, a former big league pitcher with the Mets. They basically um, approved it, said it was okay, and defined it as, well, he sees the pitcher as his child when he hits a home run off of him, as if that was okay, um, as he's running the bases, staring down Cole. And I give Cole credit a little bit for not making eye contact with him and kind of getting through the moment. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I'd like to see what happens today. I'm very curious to see how Yankee Stadium reacts today. Well, my shout-out my, my, my shout to announcers goes to Joe Simpson from the Braves. And he after the Acuna, I actually heard the tape. When Acuna did not move, he destroyed Acuna. Acuna. He, he said he, it was pathetic. He called him out for what it was. And, and uh, that was refreshing to hear here. Well, guys, you've been going about 45 minutes right now. Um, any parting shots here with our panel of experts? I'll let you guys go first. Uh, I, I was just going to say something that goes back to um, uh, the the con- the concept of they're they're looking at all these things that players are doing. But I think sports has moved away from really being what I always thought was the last meritocracy, where you know people earned their spot and did things based on um, performance because of they're collecting this data that doesn't really help you uh, understand the real important things about being a player. And they've started to collect data for data's sake. And I think over time, it's serving to, to hurt the product. And um, until they get back, and you know, and Kevin has said it so many times, get away from the nerd approach, things are gonna keep going down on that slippery slope. And we've heard feedback enough from people who all agree that this is going in a wrong direction and yet still people in the sport are allowing it to happen. So something's going to have to happen to make it change or else it's never going to be better. Um, Very true. You know, uh, 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 yeah, that's great, Sal. I'll jump in on Darling. Um, I only graduated from Pennsylvania High School, and uh, he did go to Yale. And I will say I think he's one of the better analysts out there, but um, I kind of understood – what the rock the baby thing was. I really didn't need his Yale education to explain it to me. And uh, I, you know, I just think that um, I get it. This generation is more emotional. There's a lot more Latin players. That happens a lot in Latin America. It, 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 It is what it is. But there's a way to temper your excitement. You know, Reese Hoskins, you know, slammed his bat down. That was you know, my gosh, that was that that was big, and that was not in your face. Um, that that is embarrassingly in your face. I'm, I'm you know, uh, uh, you're my baby. You know, I'm your daddy. Come on, please. You know, just because the TBS has that thing at the end, who's your daddy this week, Pedro? You know, uh, I guess that's you know that's where it comes from, but. That's not good. It's, it's just not good. Well, the key, the key is to internalize it, and we'll see what happens if Naylor can do that because that's what Pedro did because uh, I was there, and, you know, Pedro's Pedro, a little bit different. Uh, I, th- I think the, uh, the bottom line here is we are seeing 
teams that rely on baseball people advancing in the postseason. And Bob Melvin, we haven't gotten to that. You know, him coming over, calling out his team a few weeks ago for not really playing hard. And since then, the Padres have played very well. Not a big A.J. Preller fan. I could take him or leave him. But I will say this. He sits in the, he sits in the scout section. He watches games. He's not always behind a computer. They're doing well. Dombrowski, obviously a baseball man. He made, you know, Rob Thompson, a tremendous baseball man. They're doing well. I said, when are the owners, and I'm calling out the owners now, when are the owners going to recognize you need baseball people to guide the ship? You know, this, uh, this you don't have a, uh, you know, you, you, uh, if you're in the Navy, you got to have a captain that knows what he's doing. Same thing here. You can have all the data, all the electronics, but you got to have somebody making those decisions. The Yankees, who should have blew past the Indians, are in a, in a, in a winner now, will go home decision, a situation because of the way Boone has managed this. The Astros, Dusty Baker, and also leadership from within. Nobody lost the series, and we didn't even get to it because it's way out in Seattle and uh, basically to hell with them. Um, um, you know, but they blew that series. They should have beaten the Astros. Bringing in Robbie Ray was a joke. Scott Service lost that series in game one, which is hard to do, but he did. And so the baseball people... When it comes to the postseason, nerds, the baseball people advance. You guys go back to behind your computer. Go look at more data. Yeah, well said. Well, we'll end on that. And I like your point about Bob Melvin. I was going to bring him up earlier, steadying the ship out there in San Diego and his influence on Manny Machado. We're seeing him grow up as a as a leader yep. in, the, in the clubhouse. Manny's too. a good kid. I know Manny very well. He's a good kid. Yeah. So, guys, great show today. Um, episode 64, panel of resident experts in the book. We'll see you later on this week. Hope you guys enjoy it out there. Take care. Bye-bye. Bob. Yeah.